You can't engage back. It don't mean you can't amen, jump in, help out, give me a high five. It just means be engaged with what we're doing. Be with me this morning. Is that fair? Let's be together. Let's be on the same team this morning, all right? I need some teammates this morning, all right? We might have to pass the ball. We need somebody looking. The, the, the worst thing you ever want to do in ball boom is have a quarterback throw a beautiful bomb for the win and the receiver not even turn around. Hit him in the back of the head. Listen, God's throwing bullets this morning. Don't get hit in the back of the head. Get your hands up. Get your hands up. I do want to say uh, at the beginning, this has nothing to do with what I'm going to preach. Don't get scared if you're if you're quasi-religious. I'm not going to preach on it. I just want to say something that uh, personally, uh, I lost somebody very instrumental to me this week that went on to be with Jesus, I hope. And... Um, in my life, and I, I, I'm not going to talk about it because you wouldn't get it, and, and that's okay. You probably should, could, shouldn't get it, couldn't get it. But some people in life remind you that it's okay to have hope and dreams. And they don't beat you down. There's nothing in their message that ever beats you down. It's about giving you hope in this world. God bless the hope givers. God bless the dreamers. Don't ever lose your dream. God dreams they outlast the dreamers. They, they go on forever. Don't lose your hopes and dreams. And don't let the world... We live in a world right now that wants to suck the hope out of you. There's people in your life that want to suck the hope out of you. They want to suck the dream out of you. They want to put you in a cage. And the worst kind of people is the people that try to get you out of the cage you're in to put you in a different cage. Come on out. You've been in that cage long enough. Come with me. And they just try to put you in a different cage. And you're still there. And you wonder why you feel sometimes like you're pacing the cage. You know why you're pacing the cage? Because you're locked somewhere that you're not meant to be locked in. There's a restlessness in you because you're just in a bigger cage. And God says, I didn't make you to be... God, lived the, God bless the dreamers and God bless those who will live free. And God bless those in their lives like our pastors that will pour into you and say you can be free. That God wants to set you free. Freedom is a powerful thing. So sell on pirate. <laughs> God bless you guys for hearing my little... Thing. I will say this too when I read this obituary this week it did say and this person was a billionaire and I said the billionaire millionaires are cheaper than me they really are <laughs> you, can go, you can go to the farmer's market and see millionaires you don't know it but they're there <laughs> but billionaires are still a pretty big deal and guy was a billionaire and he said he spent his final moments with his Families, dogs, and his songs. And I thought, in the end, that, that's, that's what you're going to have. That's what you're going to have. A lot of stress in our lives. If you're blessed, man, that's what you'll have when you pass to Jesus. Spend your waking moments on those things. You'll be happy. Amen? Alright, alright, let's preach the word now, alright? Sail on sailors. Alright. This person I was talking about, he died of skin cancer. And uh, skin cancer is a unique thing. How many of you have had my wife said skin cancer cut off so many times? She, I mean, you know, but that's a scary thing, bad thing. But many of you in this room have had skin cancer before, right? How many of you have had... Maybe not the, the, the melanoma that's real bad, but you've had the spots, the skin spots. 
How many have had skin cancer cut off before? Well, not as many as I thought, actually, but some of you have. But it is a very common thing, or seems to be fairly common. And uh, the thing about this weird is, and, and any cancer, like Dwayne and Jenny, who's not, and Jenny Will are on uh, a field trip. <laughs> but, you know, it's something that starts very quietly. Like a little bump. When you get my age, you got bumps all over. It's just like a used car. You know, you got dents, you don't know where they come from. Right? And it starts out very innocently. But it's quietly below the scene metastasizing. What that means is quietly below the scene on a cellular level, this little disease is trying to eat up your good cells and kill you. See, that's what cancer does. It's, it's silently under the scenes. And I'm not trying to make people with anxiety be more anxious. I'm just saying, you know, like with, with Dwayne or Jenny, before they ever found out they had this thing trying to kill them, quietly and silently, behind the scenes, they weren't even thinking about it. But there was something going on they couldn't see in their body that was trying to take them out. And when they saw it, all of a sudden it was scary. But what was the thing was, for how many months, I wonder before that, it was going on quietly. Quietly. Did they ever tell you how long that probably went on? Years. That's what they call a silent killer. Anybody ever heard of that? That's a term doctors sometimes use. But it's, it's a term that means that sometimes we have conditions. The Lord, I'm not trying to make people anxious. Because <laughs> God, we got the solution. His name is Jesus. But, but there are in the, in the natural world there are these underlying things that can lay dormant or, or latent hidden that are going on that are taking away your purpose that are trying to take away your life that's trying to destroy you and that happens on the spiritual side too there are spiritual things underneath the surface that we don't pay enough attention to they're latent. They don't scream out at us. They don't, they're not boogeyman sins. They're, they're, they're not things that the whole world knows about. But secretly on a cellular spiritual level, they're multiplying daily. They're multiplying. And multiplying. And the purpose is this. The, and again, I'm not trying to scare you. I mean, we're going to talk about the solution. But the purpose is to take you out. To stop your purpose and to spiritually destroy you. Do you understand that? They're silent killers spiritually to our life. And I started thinking about that and God gave me a word that I want to share with you about this idea of why so many of us pace the cage. Why so many of us find ourselves in repeat patterns and we don't seem to get where we think we should get. Maybe we push so many times and then we not push far enough. I don't know. But there's so many times we get to a place in our life where we say, God, there's got to be more. And so I want to look at Luke 17 and we're going to preach real short time. I don't even like to use the word P, the preach word. I don't consider myself a preacher. I don't like most preachers. I don't. And I, I said, I said that one time and there was a guest preacher that visited that week. I think I offended him. I didn't mean to offend him. It wasn't him personally. I didn't know him. 
It's just, I have no desire today to put you in a bigger cage. I want to see you free. I want to see you free. What would happen if you were running free? So Luke 17, I'm going to read from verse 28. Luke 17, verse 28. Jesus is preaching about the last days. How, I know nobody knows, but how many of you believe we are in the last days? I guarantee you we're closer than we were. And I tend to agree with most of the people in the room, but he's preaching about the last days, but he's also backing up and preaching about a place we don't talk about much anymore, Sodom. And I want to I want to preach this or read this 17 and 28. And my eyes, well, I hope they can, I'm in the NLT, thank you. I'm going to read it on the screen, Lakey, because I, I just can't, my glasses I can get, but it's easier right there. And the world, and now Jesus is foretelling, this is the word of Jesus, he's foretelling the last days. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating, drinking, buying, Selling, farming, and building. Hold up. Pause. Pause. Now, a lot of times we talk about Sodom and we think we have a certain image in our mind. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is, Jesus just said in the days of Lot, people were doing their business. He says they were buying and selling and farming and building and eating and drinking. That's what they were doing. Go on, next. Keep going, Lakin. Thank you. Until the morning, Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Keep going. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out on the deck of a roof must not go down to the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. If you let your life go, you will save it. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Now back up one verse. Lakin, back to 33, you're doing a great... I don't mean to be bossy. It's the nature of our relationship, Lakin. You're up there and I'm happy to boss you, okay? I don't mean anything personal. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. What an oxymoron, right? You may be seated. What a wild statement, huh? What a wild statement. So, Jesus is telling us something about the last days. And he finds it important. Jesus, we have... We have relatively little preaching of Jesus. We have enough to save the world a million times over. But we have very little relatively sermon. There's a lot more Steve Furtick sermons than there are Jesus sermons. I promise you. Search it on YouTube. And I'm not saying that's an insult. There's a lot more Pastor R sermons too. That's not an insult to anybody. I'm just saying we have relatively few sermons of Jesus or teachings of Jesus. But he found it interesting or important enough to teach on Sodom. And we don't teach on Sodom much. And when we do teach on Sodom, most people don't even understand Sodom. <laughs> and, 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 and 
as Christians, we're guilty of that. We, 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 we're like Facebook theology. We know one thing and that's all we know. We never learn. We never read it for ourselves. We don't see what the, Jesus is trying to tell us. There's a lot more to this story. There's a lot of things in this story that are relevant to your life and my life today. And so Jesus started talking about Sodom. And interestingly enough, He said, if this is the last days, and many of you said you thought it was, He was saying that our life, or whoever's in the last days, if it's us, that life here would be a lot like it was in Sodom. And that people would be just doing their regular business. And things would change. So I started thinking about that. I started thinking, well, what does that mean, Jesus? Because there's always been good and bad on the planet. And we don't preach much on Sodom. So I started looking at Genesis 19. And I'm not going to read the whole Genesis 19. But you can find the story of Sodom and Lot and Lot's wife in Genesis 19 if you're taking notes. And, and Lot was, you know the story was Abram, later Abraham's nephew, right? And he went with Abraham or Abram on a journey where he left his home by faith and he went seeking the voice of God and following the voice of God. He was a follower of God. He was the one who was called the father of all the nations. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. God created a mighty nation and he used a man named Abraham to do it. And Lot was with him as his nephew. And it got to a point and it became necessary in their estimation to separate Abram from Lot. And so they made a deal. And Abraham gave Lot the choice of where you want to live. You see, God gives us a choice. The Father gives you a choice. The Father gives me a choice of where to live. And, and so he said, you get the choice. You choose what you want. And Lot picked this beautiful valley land with these really prosperous cities in it. And we look at it now in hindsight and it seems like, boy, that lot was a numbsuck skull. But really, would you not maybe have done the same thing? I mean, you know, it's the number one pick. It was the land that looked best. It, it was the land that looked best. It was the most prosperous. If God wants to give me land, I'll take the best. And so Lot chose this land. When he chose Sodom, he was not trying to choose a bad place. He was trying to choose a place to have a future. Sometimes in life we don't we get in situations where we didn't we didn't set out to end up where we are. I've not met too many addicts who said, you know what, I set out to end up right here. Every hour having to get to medicine or get sick and I'm I just set out to be miserable, poor, broken, lose my family. You don't set out for this stuff, but it sometimes happens. Sometimes it's a consequence of our choice. And sometimes things go along with our choices that we don't see when we choose. Lot did not have the perception to know that his decision was a bad decision. So he chose this land. And the land was called Sodom. And you can read about it in Genesis 19. A lot of bad things happened there. I'm going to give you some wisdom and teaching that I hope you'll receive. Sodom, I want you to hear me, was not destroyed for one sin. Sodom, because those lots of sins happen everywhere. Sodom was destroyed. 
destroyed for a lot of sins, and I'm going to read you what the Bible says about it. Sodom was destroyed for a lot of sins. Jesus said in the days of Lot that these people were going around buying, selling, farming. They were doing their business, but they weren't doing the business of the Father. So they can, I want you to put up Ezekiel. 1646 through 50 in the NLT. I didn't give you any notice. So if she's not super, she's probably faster than I could be if I did have notice. But if she's not, it's because I never give her notice. Ezekiel, what was the chapter? 46. No, no, 1646, verse 46, chapter 16, excuse me. We're going to go through 50. Here we go. Now, interestingly enough, before I read this, the prophet Ezekiel is now preaching to the Israelites. He's speaking to God's children. And like Jesus speaks to us in Luke, the prophet is now comparing God's own children to the Sodomites. And here's what he says. You, meaning you're as the children of Israel, as his people. Your older sister was Samaria who lived with her daughters in the north. Now listen to this. Your younger sister was who? Say it again. Who lived with her daughters in the south. But you have not merely sinned as they did. I want you to pause after this verse. You quickly surpassed them in corruption. Many of you think Sodom is the most wicked place in history because it was wicked. But I'm here to say that the Word of God clearly just said that the children of Israel, God's own children, have already surpassed Sodom. Already way worse. Keep going. And surely as I live, the sovereign Lord says, Sodom and her daughters were never as wicked. Hear this? I believe we're getting as bad as Sodom. Well, we might be, but I hope we're, I, I think the Bible's saying we're worse at times. Her daughters were never as wicked as you and your daughters. Keep going. Sodom here, Pat, I told you I'd tell you what Sodom's sins were. Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony. Oh my goodness. That was what Sodom did. Laziness. While the poor and needy suffered outside her door. Oh, I believe some sins aren't that bad. Well, according to the scripture of God, if the truth if the scripture is true. Those sins led to God destroying the city. That's what the Word of God says. I didn't say it. That's what the Word of God says. Now, how many would say you never even read that verse? Be honest. That you didn't know that, right? You didn't know that Sodomy had a gluttony problem, a lazy problem, and a pride problem. Because nobody talks about it. Keep going one more. She was proud and committed detestable sins. So I wiped her out. As you have seen it was wickedness. It was so wicked. Thank you, lady. That the Word of God says, you know, Abraham went to bat for his brother, his nephew, his spiritual brother. We go to bat sometimes for people. You go to bat sometimes for people. God wanted to wipe it out. He was going to send some angels to see if there's anything worth saving. And Abraham had a negotiation session. He was a counselor. He was a representative for a lot. 
He didn't want to see Lot's life destroyed, so he bargained with God. He said, God, you're a good God. Surely if there's 50 good men there, you won't destroy it. Surely if there... And he got down to 10 men. A big city. And if the angels of God, the anointing of God, could find 10 people who were sold out and not wicked. I'll ask you and I a question. I don't know the answer. And I'm not pretending to know the answer. If God sent two angels into wives, Norton or Kingsport, you know, I, I know y'all are almost talk about the big cities. It's just more people. They ain't more wicked anywhere else. It's just more people. That's like saying they make better ball players than Dallas Tech. No, they're just more people. The odds, you know. A Mac McClough could be born anywhere. They just got ten of them in Dallas. You know what I'm saying? If the God sent two of his anointed in Wise or Norton, could he find ten who were sold out, not sold out, on fire totally, totally committed, on fire, pushed through, 100% in, all in, world changer, God, you first, could he find ten? Could he find 20? Could he find 50? I don't know the answer to that question. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know the men of Sodom did want to rape the angels. And Lot, and Lot offered his two virgin daughters. Are we getting real, right? We got children's church. So we're going to get real in here. It's big people church. Y'all go watch our rated PG-13 movies. You can handle the Word of God. You can handle the Word of God. And so he sends out his two virgin daughters and says, you don't want these angels. Look at these girls. I said, we don't want them. We want the angels. I want you to pay attention to something though. Some of y'all missed the whole point of this. They didn't want Lot either. They didn't want Lot either. They never threatened to rape Lot. What they wanted you to do was defile the holy of God. God's anointed. God's chosen. And they wanted to defile. We live in a culture today that wants to defile the anointed. But get some. Listen, some of this stuff on Facebook is straight out of Sodom. It's defiling the anointing of God. Some of this, yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't sleep at night. I wouldn't sleep at night before I would constantly speak on that God. I wouldn't take a chance. I don't presume to know who's a man of God and who's not. I'm not going to take a chance. I don't agree with everything everybody does, but I won't. I won't be outside knocking, ready to rape them when they turn their back. I promise you. Sodom, one of Sodom, beside the pride and gluttony, doing their business and not giving to the poor that Jesus talked about, and Ezekiel talked about. The other thing they were doing is they weren't treating holy things holy anymore. See, we got a problem. 
We've been exposed to too much holy or so much holy that we don't treat holy things holy anymore. We're not reverent. And reverent, isn't that reverent doesn't depend on how you dress or, or how you walk. Or reverent depends on your heart. Do you have a heart? Three-piece suits and be irreverent to holy things. Yeah, that's right. Jenny's down there and Will at this conference thing, field trip. <laughs> they said, man, it's a move of God. They gave a good report. Sometimes they went and come back with bad reports. <laughs> but they gave a good report. They said people were friendly and they're greeting us. And they said, and they're all wearing black t-shirts and tied it up and no sleeves and they, they're rough looking. And I'm not saying that makes you any holier. I'm just saying don't judge the package because the package because I Lot looked at Sodom and saw the package. Lot looked at Sodom and saw the package. Beautiful city. Industrious city. Beautiful land. But he didn't see what was on the inside. Don't judge by what's on the outside. That's what's but shiny tunes. But instead, look at the heart. So, you know, not surprisingly, God sent his angels and they tried to rape him. God said, I'm done. I'm done here. I'm done here. You've been prideful, you've been gluttonous. I thought that wasn't a real sin. That's just a minor sin. But Jesus says that's the three sins of sorrow. Pride, gluttony, and laziness. You didn't treat the... You didn't take care of the poor. Idolatry, which is worship of self and people. You took holy things and you tried to degrade them. You tried to degrade and grotesque things to holy things. I'm wiping it out. God chose Sodom as a place of purpose. But God said your purpose is not here. There's places in your life you went thinking you were going somewhere in the right direction in your life. But sometimes God gives you a wake-up call. He says it's not here. So Lot says, God gives him a warning and says, Lot, you and your family get out of town. Sometimes God will give us a warning and say, move yourself from that situation. Yeah. Move yourself from those people. Yeah. Move yourself from that environment. Yeah. Leave Sodom. Yeah. And the hard part about that is, to us it seems obvious because we know what happened to Sodom. Sometimes you let go. But you know what? Lot and his wife didn't have the benefit of the rest of the story at the time they had to make their decision. And neither do you and I for our lives. Because listen up. Sodom may have been a wicked, detestable place. Doing their business as usual. Farming and selling and making business. 
Because, you know, I mean, sometimes in my mind, I know they did evil things. They do evil things everywhere. Rome sacrificed Christians and had orgies in the temples. I know they do wrong things. But sometimes we think that's all that was going on 24-7. When I read the actually read what the Scripture said, it said they were forming and selling and doing business. I mean, that don't, that's not my image. God wasn't in His place. It's not in your place. And so, here's what I'm going to say. To us, it seems like, well, you better get out of town. Of course I believe Sodom. Wouldn't you leave Sodom? I mean, clearly, surely you would leave Sodom, right? And Dwayne, you'd be out of there tomorrow. You'd, you'd be out of there yesterday. You wouldn't meet Lot, right? I mean, Sal, we wouldn't have hung around that place. No. No way. Boo, we'd be gone, man. We'd be out. <laughs> the problem is for Lot and his wife. It's funny how she gets the bad rap. I'm going to tell you why she shouldn't get the bad rap just a minute. For Lot and his wife, here's the problem. That wicked place was home. Listen. It was home. So many people I talk to, and they say, I know I need to change my environment, but it's my family. It's my home. My family. My family says I'm a cult. My family says I'm crazy. My family says don't do this. My family said do this. My family bosses me around. My family tells me what to do. I'm just a, I'm just a zombie. I'm just a victim. I can't do nothing on my own. And I heard it said this way, sometimes it's hard to leave our sick into our, our, our dysfunction because we've invested a lot of time into it. Yes. We've invested a lot of time into our dysfunction. Yes. Yes. Hard to sell. It's like, Josh, it's like putting your life savings in a stock and it just keeps dropping. And you say, I've got to get out. But you say, but maybe you'll turn around because I've invested everything in this thing. I got some stock out there, Josh. Maybe you can help me. Should have sold it. No, I'm just kidding. Josh would never sell you stock that way or help you buy stock that way. It's home. And with home, creates emotion, and emotion causes us to hang on to things that we don't necessarily need to hang on to. Lot's wife had a hard time leaving. Lot had a hard time leaving. But Lot's wife had a hard time leaving because it's home. Because she was invested in it. That's her life. That's what she knew. It's hard to leave an old life for a new one. Even if it's the right thing to do. It's hard. It's challenging. And so, Word of God says they told her one thing. Just don't look back. I'm gonna, we're going to give you a warning, Lot, and your wife, and your family, your daughters. We're letting you get out of this mess. Sometimes God gives us second and 38th and 45,000 chances. I'm on my 45,000, and I thank God He gives me 50 more. But He said, Lot, and your family, I'm going to let you all have another chance, and we're getting you out of here. We're letting you get out of here. Just don't look back. And the Word of God says they were leaving, and I can read it. You can read it later. Genesis 19. <laughs> there was stuff going on, man. There was fire starting to fall from the sky. Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine? 
I mean, I've seen some natural disasters. I've seen fire, like little fires and things. Which, and some of you are on fire departments. You've seen some stuff. It's scary stuff. Could you imagine? And, and those of you, Juwan, thank you for your service and sound. But any of you guys have been in the military, especially if you've been in combat situations. you imagine looking back and seeing I remember back in 92 or whatever it was when they showed pictures of Baghdad, Baghdad on CNN and I'd never seen anything like it and I thought that was I thought that was World War II so I, I was like blown away I was like I can't believe this is happening and this is real could you imagine everything you knew your home and everybody you knew everybody you knew not everybody was raping angels some apparently were farming and doing business everybody you knew was back there your home was back there. The school your kids went to was back there. Everything you knew was back there and you see fire and wrath just poured out on it and you are told, get out, but don't look back. And they were going out of there and they were, God was going to give them another chance to find their purpose and but it felt like home. And Genesis 19 and 16. Let's go ahead and put that up real quick. I'm almost done. Genesis. Oh, you already got that up, lady. Thank you. When Lot still hesitated. See, wasn't just Lot's wife that had a problem. Oh, Lot's wife. Oh, Eve. Oh, everybody. It's always... Somebody claims that there's a woman to blame. But I know. Oh, I'm going to hell now. I know it. I don't care. Listen. Listen. If that, if that bothers you, you'll never make it here. You may as well go on and go on. That's the least of the worries. I promise you. Lot hesitated. Not just Lot's wife. Lot hesitated. The angel sees his hand. Listen, some of you and me, we've been in situations we shouldn't have got out of. And we might not have seen it that way, but in the spiritual component, there were angels grabbing you by the hand. safety outside the city for the Lord was merciful the Lord is merciful the Lord is You don't know what they do. And I say, Lord, please save that other person for their sin for judgment. Yeah. 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 
Go on, verse 17. The Lord is merciful, was merciful. When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives. People come here and they get a break. They get a break. God gives them a break distance. And what you do with that is up to you. You work CEO one time? Did you ever work CEO? Just look like I know you don't now. I didn't know if you ever back years ago or some reason I thought you worked with Will one time. That's Odie. You look all like Odie. Not really. They're practically twins. Those old prison movies, you know, what we have here is a failure to communicate. But you can't beat Escape from Alcatraz. I'm talking about the 1981 with Clint Eastwood. That was a good movie. Anyway, sorry. Those guys would get a break. They wanted freedom so bad, they wouldn't stop for anything. They run, they clawed, they knocked down doors, they would skinny up this, skinny down that. They would swim across the San Francisco Bay. Because they had a chance. Bible says here in the Word of God, run for your lives. That's what the angel said. I wonder why the angel didn't just say, look, I'm going to make you superhuman right now. And when the fire hits you, it'll just bounce off of you. Some of us think that's funny, but that's how we pray to God. God help me in this situation. God says, run from Sodom. Run! strength here in this situation. And God says, I gave you a brain and I gave you Holy Spirit. Leave this wicked place. Leave your dysfunction. Run from your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. Next verse. Oh no, my Lord, not begged. Now come on. Come on. Stop it. Y'all think he's stupid. I've been there and you've been there. Angels done grab that boy by the hand. He done saw him try to wreck the angels. And the angels grab that boy by the hand and start yanking him out of there. He's seeing the destruction. And Lot's fighting to go back. No. Oh no. He begged. I can't tell the situation, but I saw a domestic violence situation like that one time. People were so confused, and this young girl was getting beat. I mean, it was a bad situation. God gave her a second chance. Somebody witnessed it, called the cops, and saved her life. And we happened upon that same situation. But because it's home, person been but when the cops drove the guy to jail who had just been doing awful things the first thing she did was cry and yell oh no and ran back towards me and thank God she got out of that situation but sometimes it's hard to leave her dysfunction because it's home to us and sometimes 
No matter how dysfunctional our home seems, it's not as scary as being alone. And some of us are scared to death of being alone. Oh no! Lock back, next verse. You have been so gracious to me and saved my life. You have shown me such kindness. But I can't go to the mountains. Disaster would catch me there and I would soon die. Stop. It's amazing how we have no room to negotiate with God, but we negotiate with God. God just saved your life. He saved my life. He pulled me out of things that I shouldn't have got out of. He's pulled you out of things you shouldn't have got out of. Yet here we are bargaining with God. God, please do this. God, please do that. No, God, I don't want to go there. No, God, I don't want to do that. No, God, I want it my way. We have no position to ever bargain with God because everything He gave us is grace. We don't earn it. But Lot tries to beg, and so next verse. Remember what we said earlier? God is a merciful God. See, there's a small village nearby. Please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved. Keep going. All right, the angel said, I'll grant your request. I will not destroy the little village. But hurry. Escape it to it. For I can do nothing until you arrive here. This explains why that village was known as Zoar, which means little place. People say, we're just a little place. Yeah. Yeah. Big world. Why do y'all think y'all so big? Pork and all that stuff. Y'all, little town, little city in Virginia, a little town in a little region, in a little state, in a medium-sized country, and a medium-sized church for that town. What's the big deal about that? So, we may be little, but God's about birthing dreams in this little place. Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising. Oh, sometimes, huh? You ever survive a night you never thought you'd survive? And you see this. I'm being serious. If you see that sunrise, you say, Thank you, Jesus. You ever sat in the hospital all night and you can't wait to say, Thank you, Jesus, that the sun came up? You ever cried all night over something and you just couldn't, and the sun comes up and you say, Thank you, Jesus? Maybe you ain't never hurt like that yet, but I do know what it's like to see the sun come up and say, Thank you, Lord. Verse 24, I, I, I've also seen the sun come up some some Sunday morning comes down too. I don't know. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. Next verse. He utterly destroyed them along with the other cities and villages of Plain, wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. What is saying? He wiped out every bit of life in the place. Not just people, but even the grass. <laughs> Listen to this. This is the verse I want you to hear. We're almost done. But, but, say but. but. Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him. And she turned into a pillar of salt. Some people think the 
verse, if you got six verses earlier, seven verses earlier, said God was merciful. That sound that merciful. <laughs> and at times in my life, I've had trouble with that verse because it seems so harsh. And it seemed almost legalistic, like God had this rule, like Mother May I, you know, like you can do all you can do, but just don't look back. If you look back, oh, broke the rule, broke the rule. <laughs> but that's not what we know. The verb there in the Hebrew actually means something different than looked. I want you to listen. It doesn't say glance, that's a different verb. If she was running back and heard screams, a lot of us would glance. Although I think the angel was pulling me and I how that was going out, I wouldn't had to would take no chance. <laughs> but you never know. Maybe instinct. Maybe just instinct. If I stood behind one of you right now and just went, ah! you know you would jump, right? I know God, by the verb used, did not just punish her for jumping or reflexing or instincting. The verb says she longingly. looked back, desired. It was what was in her look that led to her destruction. It wasn't just the look. It was what was in the look. If you'll give me the benefit of this word, it was the look back. It's not the reflection. It's not the memory. It's the look back that will defeat your purpose. There was something in her gaze, in her eyes, that she wasn't through with Sodom. Sometimes in her life, We all want to leave our dysfunction because we get tired of it. I jokingly and Mikey relates to this because he grew up same kind of place. Some of you did too, others did too. I would get saved every night before bed as a teenager. During the day, I would I thought I did bad things in hindsight, it probably wasn't that bad. It was just conviction of the Holy Spirit and living with parents that taught me right from wrong and actually preached and you know, you know, I, well, I shouldn't say some stuff I did. Well, I won't. <laughs> but it would scare me because I grew up fearing God and I was afraid of the Russians bombing us or the resurrection. And, and you laugh, and, I'm, and it is sort of funny, but it, it's the honest truth. Every night I prayed about the Russians bombing us and about Jesus, if you come back tonight, please let me be saved. Right? It was at 9 or 10 or however late I slept, snuck up, snuck up and slept too. Well, stay awake too. It was that confession. It was that time. But at 5 o'clock the next day or 3.30 the next day or 2 o'clock the next day, there was some look back. There was some sorrow still there. And uh, so many people, they come and they... They're looking to leave Sodom. 
And they want a preacher. Oh man, that pastor R. He he goes to Hillbilly and he's on fire and he loves you and he takes you and he cares for you. And he does all that. But they want a preacher that'll yank them outside. They want a word. Oh, they got words there. They talk about boxing and wrestling and movies and oh man, it's cool stuff. And probably not as so cool anymore, but maybe 30 years, 20 years, 15 years ago. I want a word that'll yank me out of Sodom. I, I'm single. I know if I had a woman in my life or a man in my life or a, you know, whatever you're, if you're a doggy, a puppy in your life or whatever. Maybe that would get me out of Sodom. Right woman. Right woman don't hurt. <laughs> but there's more to it than if I read this book, if I read the right book, the right study, man, if I go to the right study and I read this right book, there's a key there. It's like the breakers of the lost ark. If I go find that right key, right? Oh, I can at least talk. But the problem is so many people, me included, we spend a lot of our lives going back and forth to Sunday. So it's cool at 11 o'clock at night when I'm scared out of my wits, but 3 o'clock the next day, I wonder how my buddies in Sodom are doing. <laughs> and <laughs> so here's the problem with the rub of all of it. The look back is what keeps us in our dysfunction because the look back says we're not done yet. The look back keeps you in your dysfunction because the look back says you're not done yet. Not the glance. Not the not able to forget. Not the flashback. But the longing look that says Sodom is still in your heart that is keeping us in our dysfunction at times. What we need is not someone to drag us from Sodom. But what we need is to give our heart totally to God and say, God, get Sodom out of me. It's not to get you out of Sodom. It's to get Sodom out of me. Because I told you I was going to tell you some stuff you may or may not know. And I'm going to be real. Did you know Sodom also wasn't out a lot either? whole lot got out of Sodom. Sodom was still a lot. Did you know what happened? I know that does. Some of you know, but the many of you will not know this. Do you know what happened a lot when he left Sodom? He got drunk. And his two virgin daughters decided to have babies with Lot. They become the Moabites and the Ammonites. Well, that's real, huh? You know why? Because Sodom is still in their heart. We keep trying to leave Sodom. But we need to be saying, Holy God, remove Sodom from me. Strip it all out of me. I give it to you. I give it to you. And for the times I feel, yes, grace and mercy. But Lord, let me Eliminate the look back. There's something different 
if you're in a relationship and you're married or some of us in this room or not some of us but some people in this room are going to be getting married maybe wrote a song and said, I want you to love me like my dog loves me. When your dog, when you come home from work, your dog is the most excited person in the world. They jump up and down, they look at you like you are the king of the universe. I pray that that's the way this young, soon to be newlyweds look at each other. If not, run. should be different. Don't make that the way we look at Sodom. Your past does not define you. It's over. Your past can be a testimony. You can use it. But it ain't the glory days. And it ain't something you need to hang on to. It's something you give away. And say, God, make me new. Take out this old heart and replace it something new. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Don't look back. Don't look back. Don't ever look back. <laughs> because your future awaits out there. What I would pray today for us is freedom, I believe, is on the other side of the look back. The look back is what defined and destroyed Lot's wife's purpose. But honestly, it's the same thing that Lot had. He just didn't do it physically. But destroyed his purpose. Or defined him going forward. My prayer for all of us is this. Holy Spirit, do a pet scan. Do a pet scan. Do a pet scan. Listen, there may be some cells down there. Do, there may be some cells working in there. Do a pet scan on my life. I give you permission, Holy Spirit, to examine my life. And I want to give it to you. I want to give it to you. I remember what it was like to have that angel's hand. Do you remember what it felt like when that angel had you by the hand? Why would you ever look back? God is saying, don't look back. Trust me. Let me take you to a better place. I have a future for you. On the other side of the look back. God says, I'm here to make you free and free indeed. Not to be bound, but to be free. I'm done. I, I, do, I feel like saying this. I didn't plan on saying this. I don't know why. God sees me moving in this direction to say this real quickly. Maybe this is for somebody. Maybe it's for me. I know it has been for me in my life. I, I think sometimes in life, we... Uh, we get a lot of penalties called on us. <laughs> right, boo! <laughs> and so we, we go 10 yards up, and I'm, I'm, we play football. You know. Jake, Peyton, they play football too. So. Maybe others of you, I, don't, I can't even see this room. It's so dark and my eyes are horrible. I should not say that over myself. That's a... I have the best eyes in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, name it, name it. 
Huh? You claim it too. Uh, all right, good. Do we have, we've got a motion and a second. Do we have a, no. All clear? Thanks, We go 10 yards up. We go 10 back. And we got a great time of possession. <laughs> but we never score. Some of us, we, we get like a break. And God's pulling us somewhere. And for whatever reason, something in there just ain't letting go. And then we're... You know what's bad about being froze? You know? You might know? Let me see what this side says. Huh? Gerald, you are a man after my heart. That was the exact word I was going to say. The bad thing about being frozen is you can't move. <laughs> you can't go nowhere. Somebody feels stuck. <laughs> it's because you froze. Because the look back got you. The look back got you. Something's still in there in eyes. I see it, not you. When you look in the mirror sometimes. Trust Him with today. If you'll trust Him with today, you'll trust Him with tomorrow too. But it starts with today. Because I trust God with tomorrow. You ain't trusting with today. So I don't know how that's going to work. Hallelujah. Could you bow your heads with me? Thank you for being patient. I told you we really weren't going a lot of places scripturally. Ask you a question. Please be silent all over and reverent. This is a holy moment. I believe from the very beginning of this service, I believe God was moving people's hearts. And I know the enemy doesn't like that. The enemy works too. But it's because God is going to change something in somebody's life today. I believe God wants to change everything about our hearts so that He doesn't take us out of Sodom necessarily. If you take Sodom out of me, I'll leave Sodom. And I'm not saying any of us in this room are terribly wicked people or anything. But what I am saying is that I do believe there's things in our heart that defeat our purpose, that keep us from going all in Jesus. And, and some of it may not be things you're thinking of right now. Some of you, because of the title of the city, are going to think it's some kind of big bad sin. It could be that, but it could be things like pain holding us back. It, 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 it could be failures, it could be pride, it could be lack of faith, it could be fear. Fear will cause you to look back. And God said, I want to give you a pet skin today. If you're willing, if you don't want to take any chance on that silent killer, man, you want to go to Dr. Jesus and get a good pet skin, nobody's looking. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray a prayer for you that God would let you, which reveal to you today. If you're willing for God to examine your heart today and you want that, you want to leave here better, 
You want to make, you don't want to take any chances. And I just want to pray over you right now. My hands are up because I, I pray that prayer every day. I promise you, I pray that prayer every day. So a lot of this deliverance stuff we've been going through has been about that. It's been about God examine my life. God examine my life. If I stop praying that prayer, I promise you, I wouldn't be here at the time. Because <laughs> my passion would go. Father, right now, I pray every person seeking you. I pray that you reveal to them, Lord, things inside them that they need to give to you today, Lord. And Lord, by giving it to you, you're going to replace it with something so much better. You're going to take our beggar's clothes and give us the clothes of the king, and you're going to put us in a place of purpose. And we can leave some stuff that we've been trying to leave for a while, but we're going to really leave because it leaves us. It's a, th a thousand mile journey, but it starts with in our heart. And today, God, we give you our heart. We give you permission to reveal and expose inside us and remove it. We give it to you. We give it to you. We give it to you. Somebody needs to receive that right now. Give it to him. Come on. Give it to him. Somebody needs to lift your hand right now and say, I give it to you, God. I give it to you, God. There's things, God, I give it to you. I give it to you. I give you that fear, that depression. I give it to you. That anxiety, that habit. That, that, that pride, I give it to you. That dysfunction. Whatever it is holding you back, give it to him right now. In Jesus' name. Now here's what I'm going to do. Keep your hands up. If you had your hand up at any time, put it up. I want to count to three and I want you to come forward. I want you to put it on this altar. I want you to give it to God. I said earlier, we make these kids aware that this altar is not a place to be feared. It's home. I can remember the smell of the carpet in the old church because I was there so much on the carpet, face first. I want you to know that smell because that's where God, God will meet you there. God will meet you there. God will change you there. God will change you there. You ready? One, two. When I get to this next number, everybody up and I want you to move and I want you to run to God. Don't look back. No look backs today. No look backs today. You run to Him. You run to Him. One, two. Everybody stand. Three, move.